<laughs> the jury box is over where Alan and Christy and I actually uh, had to do testimony in here. Well, I was like, well, my first year, and then they moved over to, to the Justice Center. Hey, Ryan. Is it both sides? No, it's only five sides. Um, yeah, it's a pretty good spot. It's a good spot for sure. Yeah, they had issues. Oh, really? Yeah. I was figuring that just overhang. Oh, really? I get two stories.
Get ready. So there's like 
It's funny though, because everybody has the connotations of the
Let's just hope they have good connection. Especially if they're preserving it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that we didn't. We decided not to have uh, remote like commissions as well. I would have put another.
because this is going to get this through. My feeble brain will make this. Uh, before I call the meeting to order, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, number one, uh, from a formality standpoint, the proceedings the proceedings this evening were publicly noticed in a couple of places. Number one, the newspaper. Number two, um, the Ralph County website. Additionally, joining property owners when appropriate, we're notified, and typically properties have been posted. Because this is what is known as, I guess, a hybrid meeting, i.e., we're all here in person, but we also have um, the Zoom venue going. Um, for those that are participating in the Zoom, um, at the risk of repeating typically what you probably already know, uh, if you're not saying anything and just listening, please use your mute or keep that your mute self muted so that the background noises are gone. And if you have a question or an issue surfaces, I know there's a feature at the bottom of the screen where you can raise your hand, that's an option. Um, sometimes you just raise your hand period on the screen and we'll, Christy or staff will see you. And I suppose the last option is just kind of butt in and sort of start to talk and then we'll figure it out. For those that are here uh, in person, I'd ask that you um, silence your cell phones Let's see, I have one other issue. Sign in sheet. Sorry? Sign in sheet. So then you're using sign in sheet. Ah, you're right. But there is a sign in sheet. Um, whether you're speaking or addressing the commissioners or not, we'd appreciate it if you sign in so we have this here for the record. And after that, I think we're that far. So having uh, gotten through the uh, housekeeping matters, I'd like to call to order. The February 17th, 2022 meeting of the Route County Planning Commission. Sarah, if you'd be so kind as to call the roll. Sure. Uh, Steve Wernke. Yes. Brian Kelly. Present. Andrew Benjamin. Here. Robert Marshall. Dolores. Here. Craig Decker. Here. Linda Miller. Jim Francia. Here. Paul Weiss. Here. And Menmark. Here. We have a quorum for the record. Um, Next item on the agenda is public comment. Anyone who wishes to address the commission on anything that is not on the agenda, now would be the time to do so. Seeing and hearing none, we'll move on to the next item on the agenda, approval of minutes. So we have the minutes of January 20, 2022. Are there any corrections, deletions, modifications, or what have you? And if there are none, Chair will entertain a motion to approve. I move we approve the minutes from January 20th. Thank you, Brian. Second? Second. Okay. Uh, all those in favor signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed say no. Motion carries. Next is the meeting minutes of February 3rd, 2022. Again, any corrections, deletions, subtractions, what have you? Hearing none, might there be a motion? So moved. Thank you, Paul. Second? Brian? All those in favor signify by saying yes. Yes. Opposed yes. say no. Motion is carried. Next item on the agenda is Fuel CR 68 Recreational Facility Activity PL 2021 0018. 
Um, at this point in time, typically we ask if the petitioner like to present or typically presents a short narrative to the commission of the public and is there someone here that will be doing that or are we on zooming in so helen has the slides up can you guys hear me yes, yes. well actually great um so a little background uh, quick introduction on bill yule my wife's here in the room also Hi. jody and uh we purchased this uh, late last year, this property. And um, we've met a few of you, but uh, some of the neighbors in the, in the audience tonight, we haven't had a chance to even meet face to face. So that's how new we are to the neighborhood. Um, so I just wanted to give a little background. Um, when we were looking for the property, we were looking for kind of a family hideaway and our initial thought was um, potentially just some yurts and a barn with a, uh, uh, you know, a kitchen and bathrooms and, and that sort of thing. And um, we started looking back, going back into COVID, COVID when the kids were out of school. So we were kind of thinking, well, yeah, let's do this while they're not able to attend school and maybe we'll stay in yurts for the summer. That was kind of the initial idea. Um, so that's how we, we bought this place. We got the, um, the livestock well and water to do the, the barn and the cabins. And then we started talking to the planning commission and Tegan and uh, Christy and the whole group there about what we could actually do with the yurts or you know what the, the exact rules were. And the feedback was, well, if you want to have yurts, those would you'd have to disassemble those every year and then reassemble them. And so we started talking, well, could we have some permanent cabins? And that led into a conversation that uh, there is a special use um, kind of recreational use permit that we could get that would satisfy our goals of being able to use the property with some small cabins with uh, this barn idea intact. And um, so we were interested in that. And um, maybe, maybe next slide now, Alan. Um, and so we started asking, well, could we substitute some cabin space for the accessory dwelling unit space? And we were talking along those lines. And the planning department's feedback was, yeah, we, we really rather not play with those rules. We'd rather try to put you in this um, this special use permit classification, which is, uh, it happens to be a commercial classification. So if you could go to the next slide, please. Third slide. So um, just to get some of the feedback and I've spoken with a few of you and I've also heard, I've seen, I've read your, your letters and I, I appreciate all of that feedback and understand where you're coming from. Um, you know, we were, these, these uh, buckets on the right, those are all the things that are, are um, allowed or targeted for uh, this zoning, this uh, ag forestry zoning. The ones in red were candidates for, you know, we could fit our idea in those. So hunting and fishing, lodging, um, there's bed and breakfast, and, and they require different, um, different permitting processes. Some of them are just a, kind of a procedural administrative uh, stamp and others require this deeper, this thing that we're in now. 
And so uh, the planning department advised us, yeah, why don't you check out the agrotourism because it sort of fits something that's allowable administratively or the recreational use. And so that's when we got the, we, we started exploring that. We started talking to uh, Todd Carr and the folks in the building department about, well, what does that entail? Now, since we're in a commercial classification, we have to get um, uh, uh, handicapped accessible bathrooms and all this stuff that we, that we weren't planning on, but we were kind of marching down that path. And one of the requirements, um, if you could go to the next slide, is that we have to write up this narrative. So our, I know some of the concern that I've spoken to many of you about and also heard from you about is that, hey, you're talking like you want this to be a private, <laughs> um, secluded family um, place to gather, but what you wrote up is a commercial use narrative. Well, at this point, we had an architect looking at commercial bathroom standards and a commercial well permit was required. We thought we had the right um, domestic water well permit for what we wanted to do with a number of endpoints, but um, it sort of shifted on us. So that's where all that commercial stuff came from and, and um, that's how it got written up. We didn't have a, a ton of feedback from the neighbors and we value that. Um, we'd like to get to know all of you better, but you know what we knew so far was that there were commercial um, businesses on that road. And so the commercial use permit was getting us to where we wanted to go just, just down a different path. It wasn't what we set out to do, but it was accomplishing our objective of getting these cabins built. So um, now we're getting into um, the, the actual process. If you could go to the next slide. Oh, sorry, uh, this slide's good. Yeah, so for those of you who aren't familiar with the process, um, you, have to, you have to write this thing up. You um, have to go through all of the planning departments and get their feedback. So the fi fire department looked at this, the road, road and bridge guys, the state park service, the state water board, um, the building code people, and they looked at our, I, you know, our ideas and, and told us whether we'd have to have a commercial bathroom or not. All this stuff happened. And we got all the feedback and the feedback from all the state agencies, including um, uh, just about every county agency was, yeah, this looks okay. And so the final step is to get the community feedback. And that's when the sign went up. Now, I wish we had done this first because, um, um, your feedback is is absolutely steering this and and we're really open to it. But in talking to Christy and the planning folks today, um, it sounds like one of the biggest objections, and if you could go to the next slide, I tried to capture just a summary of all the objections and there, there are lots of them and, and we understand all these. One of the biggest ones was, hey, we don't want a lot of um, uh, overnight, we don't want overnight rental and a lot of just, um, strangers coming in and staying on the property, but a lot of the other ideas are, are okay. We, we got several letters that say, yeah, we really like the idea. We just don't want the overnight um, traffic. We don't want strangers. We don't want people driving around the neighborhood. And then there were a bunch of other things. There was fire. There's um, just some ongoing water issues and, and zoning issues already um, in the neighborhood. Uh, there's free range animals out there. The, there are some water issues that the butcher knife ditch or, or creek is not flowing water right now before we got there. Um, there the road 
base is built on some springs that actually seep up through the road. And so that's, that's an issue. We, you know, we heard about all of these things, but um, the point I want to make before we open this up for discussion and, and probably talk about a lot of your feedback that I've read is, yeah, we, um, I've talked to Chris today about re restructuring um, already. It was sort of this parallel overnight use and, and family use. And, and we've changed the language in that completely so that it just says there's no overnight rentals whatsoever. Um, the only allowances we would want are those by right, which would include if we have the accessory dwelling unit in the, in the barn, we would like to have a caretaker or somebody there watching the property, but, but they would not be, there would be no commercial tenants whatsoever. It'd just be, you know, family and any, any people that we, you know, bring with us, our friends while we're there. So um, that's the short, <laughs> short of it. <laughs> quick introduction of who we are and, um, and a quick intro of the project. I didn't go into a ton of details on what's written in the write-up because I think most of you read that, but if you have any questions on a specific point or anything that I missed, um, I'll stop now. And I think the next step is uh, public comment. So I'll mute my mic now. Are you going to go back to uh, uh, Tegan? Yep, Tegan will present uh, staff items. Perfect. Hi. Hi, Tegan. Are you are you putting the um, PowerPoint up for me, Alan, or do you want me to do it myself? Uh, you should do it. Okay. I will do it. I apologize for not being there in person. We had a family emergency and I'm out of the area unexpectedly. So I appreciate being able to do this on Zoom. Can you guys see it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so Bill did a great job explaining kind of the process that we've gone through um, for this application. They are pursuing a special use permit um, and the category that is processed under is a recreational facility with overnight accommodations. Um, so he had this in his um, presentation as well, but this is our definition that we base that category off of. Um, and of course I can't see it because the box is in the way. So it's structures and or areas for recreational activities such as cross country skiing or downhill skiing, shooting ranges, sporting clays, racetracks, rally racing, where part or all of such activity are outdoors or generally dependent on the rural location in which do not meet the definition of parks and recreation lands and include overnight accommodations. The overnight accommodations component is accessory and normally incidental to the overall permitted use on the land. So there was one public comment we got about um, this being a racetrack or shooting range, that's not what he's pursuing. Um, the Yule family is pursuing these recreational outdoor activities that are dependent on the rural location and include an overnight accommodation, just to clear that up. Um, so specifically what they're proposing is to have a small agricultural operation that includes yak, poultry, and produce production. Um, they're offering um, activities on that property, like hiking, biking, or other outdoor activities on the subject property. They are pursuing the construction of three um, one-room cabins that are approximately 16 feet by 16 feet each that would not include a bathroom, a kitchen, or plumbing, 
and each would accommodate two guests. Um, additionally, there would be a common structure that would have the bathrooms and a guest kitchen and laundry facility for the guests and a secondary dwelling unit located in that structure. It would be constructed similar to a barn and there would be accessory space for agricultural storage or residential storage. And then the construction of a primary dwelling unit after the fact. So we got a lot of comments about if this is commercial versus non-commercial. Through this process, um, there was some talk of renting it um, similar to an Airbnb, but the Ewells heard the feedback from the neighbors and have elected to pursue this strictly as a private um, use for their family and friends. So not commercially advertised, not commercially rented, not rented for income, um, simply for their family and friends to visit them and use this and experience their agricultural operation um, with them. So I've, we've created an additional recommended condition of approval and that's included on this slide. It says the approved use is for a private residential family rec facility based on the project scope presented. This is not a commercial operation. The use is limited to owners, the owner's families, caretakers, and non-paying guests. Um, so, and that was specifically something that a lot of the neighbors requested as a condition of approval and the Ewells um, have indicated that they are on board with that being included. I also just wanted to clarify that when the planning department does a review of an application like this, we're not reviewing it on a commercial versus non-commercial basis. We inherently, many of our use permits are commercial if they're not a use by right. Um, however, when we're doing a review, we're reviewing for impacts. And from our perspective, those impacts are likely going to be the same whether or not somebody knows them or they don't know the guest we're looking at you know, traffic and um, you know, noise and light pollution. So regardless, we're kind of doing the same review. So we're reviewing it for the highest possible intensity of use in you know, the application we're receiving. Okay, so this is a vicinity map just to show you all where this property is located. Um, it's in between Hayden and Milner off County Road 68. It's a little over a mile north on County Road 68 from Highway 40. And we have an aerial of the subject property and the orange arrow is indicating um, the specific location in which the Ewells would like to construct um, the proposed buildings that they wanna put. So they would all be clustered um, in that area and encompass approximately an acre of area. And here we have the proposed site plan. I'm um, just kind of showing that clustering of structures that they're looking at. Um, so that's the three one room cabins all in a row. And then a, the proposed um, primary dwelling unit on the furthest south of the, that structure cluster. And then the purple would be the barn secondary dwelling unit um, with the common items that people could access, um, you know, their family and friends visiting could use the bathroom, use the kitchen, um, or use laundry facilities. Okay, so here's some photos of the site. These um, two particular photos were taken 
at the furthest south portion of the property and they're looking directly north. And then um, the, the picture where you could see the sign, that is the proposed development site um, that the Yules are, have identified. And then on the right, you've got the proposed development site kind of in the right-hand view and looking south. So we've got a photo facing due south from the north end of the property and then facing east from the proposed development location. And then here's a photo of it in the summer just because it is a little bit more telling of what the property looks like when it's not covered in snow. Um, so you've got their proposed development site directly in that photo. Um, so one thing that I also just wanted to um, touch on, and I'm just gonna go back to the aerial, um, some of the letters that we received um, specifically spoke to, um, you know, impacts for in, to the county road um, or possible fire concerns. So through our application process, this application is sent to a lot of different referral agencies and departments to get comment on them. And we rely on those subject matter experts to provide us with their feedback on um, what impacts they think this application would have to whatever it is their specialty is. So um, Road and Bridge did not have concerns about the use on the road, particularly because what was being proposed um, is seasonal. So they had no concerns. And I know some of you all that live out there do have concerns about the road. Um, West Route Fire Protection District responded that they had no concerns regarding the use. Um, in the recommended conditions of approval, there was a condition included um, that speaks specifically to limitations on fire pits and also um, enforcement of fire bans or observance of fire bans and also a defensible space um, recommendation. So they're observing some firewise practices on the parcel. Um, the Division of Water Resources, they are the ones who issue well permits. The county does not. Um, we rely on them. If they say that there's water availability there, that is um, the word that we go on. They said that this type of operation requires a commercial well permit. So that is what the applicant pursued and was granted. Um, so that satisfies um, from a staff perspective that they've met whatever the division's requirements are. Um, also, the um, cabins, because they don't have a bathroom or kitchen in them, they're not considered a dwelling unit. So part of this short-term usage reference has to do with the fact that it would not be um, available to be used for long-term it's not an appropriate building for long-term occupancy that could potentially um, you know, impact the health or welfare of whoever is occupying that building because it doesn't have those components. So there is a limitation on how long an individual can occupy that and it has to be on a short-term basis. And that's referenced in the conditions of approval as well. Um, and then finally, I just wanted to speak to some of the comments we received about 
concerns about any sort of agricultural operation in Route County and an agricultural forestry zone parcel. Agriculture is a use by right. Um, so the proposal of they want to have like, it's like seven yak pear and then some poultry and produce, that would be a use by right that they would be available to do without any sort of permitting through us. So I just wanted to make that comment. Okay. I'm gonna stop sharing. Uh, and... Commissioners, questions for either Tegan or um, the petitioner. Uh, Tegan, I have a question for the review purposes. Um, I see that there's a trail. I don't know if that's built already or not. Um, and then it, was that reviewed by CBW or anybody for like making sure that it's sustainable and all that kind of stuff? CPW um, did review the proposal and their only comment was that they required the Grizzly, um, the International Grizzly Commission trash cans. So they didn't have concerns specifically um, in regards to impacts to wildlife for trails on the property. Is the trail already built? Um, to my knowledge, it's probably roughed in. Bill, you could probably speak to it more. When I went out there, it was the winter, so I didn't go up on it. We uh, There's a really old fence line that doesn't have a fence anymore. And so that's really the, the trail that, that we were planning on using. Do we so have there's... any standard, Tegan, do we have any like standards or anything like that for trail maintenance, repair, uh, usage like in sustainable? I know Stagecoach has some, but I didn't know. If we has. don't. Um, and because it's not a motorized vehicle trail, we're not looking at it for as many impacts. Let's say if it were a snowmobile trail or a dirt bike trail that they were proposing or ATV trail, um, we'd be reviewing it for more impacts than we would like a walking trail. And we wouldn't typically have that for private use. Yeah. Tegan, only because you mentioned the bear proof containers as being required, but they're not in, the, are they in the conditions of approval? Did I miss it? Yeah, yeah. I did miss it. Let me just double check. I'm, I'm like 99%, yeah, it's condition, general condition number nine. Oh, general. We, yeah, we, we include them in all of our um, permit, almost yeah. all of them. So we just included in our general conditions because we anticipate CPW is gonna require that. Okay. And also recall this this land use category it doesn't make a distinction between commercial or private. It's essentially a one size fits all through your review is where you deem which conditions may or may not be appropriate for use. Right. Well, obviously, to that end, the condition about sales tax becomes something about. Yeah, I I had a note about that. If you guys um are inclined to recommend approval of this, that condition of approval 16 wouldn't apply because they wouldn't be collecting um, money from the people staying there. So they wouldn't need a sales tax license. Uh, I mean, personally, I don't care if it stays or not. It's somewhat of an irrelevant condition yeah. unless somebody twisted that condition to interpret it to mean that, well, you can do commercial. Yeah. Then I tell you better get rid of it. There you go. Sorry. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, question for staff. In your experience, have, have you all seen an application um, put like this on acreage of this size? Um, some of the SEPs, CP, but. So we've had some that were similar, like that were private recreational facilities on parcels of this size. However, they were associated with, with larger developments. Um, and so th those, like the actual parcel that the SUP or the overnight accommodation portion was on might've been smaller, but it was connected to a larger development overall. Um, I just brought up on screen, uh, we actually created this chart for planning commission for other applications. And this is a process comparison chart that we are asking for. So these are similar type operations that we have processed either under a rec facility permit um, or through a guest ranch. And I highlighted ones that are private facilities and it has what the acreages are. Um, the most, uh, Wind Walker right there um, is on 70 acres. That's private club for members only. But that's a 550 acre site, right? It's the actual permit boundaries on 70 acres. Gotcha. Um, so, and it does not include, that this doesn't include um, the golf course, which was processed under a special use permit separately. Um, most recently, some of you uh, reviewed the bottom one here, King Creek, King Creek Ranch. Um, however, that's on 1,700 acres, but um, you know, has a common lodge with um, a private um, facility for one-bedroom cabinet, six tent platforms. Uh, so this just gives you an idea. Uh, so we get a private one. Maribu, the rec facility um, on there. That's truly, you know, for amenities uh, as part of the Maribu subdivision. Uh, La Jolla Dolce. Uh, some of you are part of that uh, that review process. And that's for a rec facility for a wedding venue on 52 acres. Green uh, Green Creek Ranch also. Uh, that's on 700. Now, Windwalker was not originally proposed as a members club. The member showing memberships kind of came ad hoc after approvals. It was originally proposed as a place for family and friends to gather. And that's how it was actually proposed to us in the meeting. In further discussion, it came out that it was a little bit something more than what was actually being proposed. And I think it's kind of developed into something a little bit more. If you remove the commercial component from this, what is the need for a special use permit? For this particular uh, application? Particular application because of the bedrooms. If the applicant wanted yeah. anything beyond a primary residence and a secondary unit, which anybody could have in the county, yeah. 
there's no other way to process the application because we don't allow remove measures or additional cabins beyond that. Yeah, and that's so how this we, is our land use category that we have to evaluate. No, because that's how we I mean that's how we brought King Creek into the fold to make Correct. it compliance because a lot of it was uh, was actually built some of it was built long before this category was even created. And so that's how we kind of fixed that situation. So the the trigger is only the remote cabins. That it's, really is bringing it in. By simply yeah. having a larger unit, a larger primary dwelling unit that accommodated as many guests as possible, this would not even be a problem. Right. Exactly. And as I said, you know, this land use category um, could be processed as private or commercial. It's still going to be reviewed as the um, uh, it, it bumps it up to a commercial category regardless. Um, but through the evaluation, you can make um, you can evaluate the on-site impacts on whether you need to attach additional conditions to it or not um, as appropriate. So it's really based on the narrative and what the applicant is presenting that you're going to base this land use decision on and make your recommendation. As, as part of this, can you refresh the commissioners on the more recent temporary structures, regulations. The other path for this applicant, you know, their rights by, you know, without, I guess that would be administratively, they could do yurts, but have to take them down. In, in, in the yeah, so, so as far as yurts, um, you can have a yurt on your property. Uh, essentially, they're reviewed. Um, it depends on what the use is. So we evaluate what it's being used for. If it's camping, it can come in under our camping regulations. And essentially, those say that basically you take what you put up, and when you leave, you take it with you. You can do that as of right in the AS zone district. Uh, you could get a, a minor use permit for camping, for extended camping, and you could leave it up essentially for summer and take it down when, it's, when, when you're done. Uh, the applicant and on any property, you have accessory uses that are common and customary to uh, to a residential property. So you can have a barn, you can have a garage. There's no limit to how many you can have, but it's the use. So when you want to have a cabin and sleep in it, there's no, that, that's not an accessory structure. That's now another dwelling unit essentially on that property. And beyond the secondary dwelling unit that you could have, uh, there's no way that we could sign off on that. There's no permit process for that. So that's why you do see these kinds of rec facilities come through through your review because they should be evaluated. Um, what would be do, do RV units fall into that same category? Because in the in the sense of permanent or so you can have an RV on your property and it's considered accessory if
And as you, as you say, right, when it comes to camping, anything exceeding two camping, you know, units would be a special use permit. It's three or more that triggers a special use permit for um, camping. With the exception of, isn't it still used by right on agricultural? No, did we change that? Yeah, that could change. No, yeah. a camping used by right. Well, the the I remember the discussion during that time was about you know like um, sheep herders and stuff. You know, mm -hmm. long long term camping, but it's actually associated with the agricultural use. Yeah, we would look at it as camping, so you can camp on it agricultural forestry zone property anywhere in the county as a right um, up to 60 days and beyond that you need a minor use permit for extended camping. Andy, I think the difference between what you're talking about and this is the sheep herders, the primary use is the agricultural operation and the camping is just accessory to that agricultural operation. When these camping, the use by right, that I mean, you don't need the approval for it, but the extended camping that is meant to be accessory to the primary residential use of the property. So it's there's a little nuance to that, um, and that's why we're having this conversation. I remember we had discussions about when you have agricultural operations that at periods of time have influx of help that happens because it's part of the agricultural use, and it was not our intent to limit that in any way, shape, or form. But at least that's the way I remember the discussion going. It's been a couple of years mm -hmm. since the camping thing has been discussed and settled. So in doing so, in, in approaching it this way, the applicant, is it, is it uh, for the life? Or yes. if they sell it, then it goes away? The permit would be attached to the owner or the, the permitting, the, the applicant. Because it, it somewhat limits the property in essence when you start doing an SEP like this by listing the things that you're trying to do on it, you kind of keyhole yourself into something for the future. But if it's if well, it, one of the conditions that are on there as an example, those cabins would have to be if this permit went away. The cabins have to get rid of they have to be retrofitted to become um, something that it would be considered accessory. Yeah. So whether that's storage or, or what have you, that's something that we would work with the applicant or a new owner on, on that. But just to clarify, there's no outside sales of overnight accommodations included in this application as it stands. That's good. Right. The new amendment. Any other questions for either the staff or the petition? Excuse me, we're not there yet, sir. Okay. Now I'll open it up to public comment. Um, anyone wishing to address the commissioners? Now is the time. And oh, by the way, Sarah, do we need the mic, right? No? no. Can you use the podium, though, anyway, please? Oh, no. Introduce yourself and speak rather loudly because it's this little guy over here. Yeah, this. Sure. Um, so my name is Travis Garner. We live uh, in Forty Ranch, and uh, I was concerned about commercial uh, rental use of the cabins. I spoke with Christy today. Um, the condition of approval saying that it's for non-commercial use only 
uh, satisfies my concern. But my question is about if the permittee, if he receives the permit and then decides later that he does want to pursue commercial use of those cabins after they're already built, would that be subject to the same review and approval process before he'd be able to, to do that? That is correct. Yep. What would be approved is what you would hear tonight, any changes to that, that something like that would be a major change to the review and come back for review. Same process. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yep, please. Uh, my name is Milton Hill. I live in uh, Canyon Valley Ranch. Um, I got a question about the cabins. You were saying something about the cabins don't it's not limited to the number of cabins you can put on there and what's in them. Is that correct? No. It is limited. It's and limited to how many? Three. Has to be and one. they're not supposed to have any facilities in them, correct? He's that's not what's he has not proposed to put facilities in them. So the approval would stipulate that it was three one room cabins, each with a maximum of 260 square feet um, of area without plumbing put in them. Well, without my glasses, I can see here that uh, he's got uh, uh, he's got a kitchenette in these cabins with a with bathroom. That's the that's that common facility barn. So that's where there would be a bathroom and a kitchen available to the people staying in those cabins, but it would be in the barn altogether. It's in this proposal. There's three cabins. Here's a cabin right here with the floor plan. It's got a kitchenette and a bathroom with a double-sided bed and a bunk bed. I'm not, I can't see what it is that you're looking at. Could I, could I comment, Tegan? Yeah. What this, page are you? This, this is Bill. Uh, this is Who do I show this to? We proposed that there would be electricity in the cabins and bottled water. Um, so, so they're not sure what the picture is. That's the accessory Figure five is it's it's the second floor. The cabins and figure six. Right. But that's the accessory. That's the accessory. Yeah. No, this is It's a it's a monitor barn. So that's the second floor of the monitor barn with the loft. Are you looking at figure five? Slow down, um, Tegan. Can you go back to the petitioners? Petition and application. Yes. Put it on the screen for us. Yeah, the staff packet or his PowerPoint presentation. Uh, staff packet is what I was looking at. But he, I'm looking at page 23, page 22, 
Okay. I'll share it right this second. Oh, Alan just started screen sharing. Oh, it's just a labeling issue. Labeling issues? Yeah, the, the picture you're looking at on top is, is not a cabin. That's the second floor of the barn. Yes. So no, I'm looking at a cabin. No, the cabin is the bottom picture, which shows two beds, a refrigerator, a table, and a porch. This is, this is the, that's on page 23. The layout of the cabin is on the screen. This is what I got. This is a cabin. This is on the same page. No, no, no. no. This, this picture relates to the preceding page. Read that line right there. See right there? This is figure five. That says figure five, which is, which is the barn. And it says it's the loft floor of the barn. And this is the barn, which is figure five. This is... It's not a cabin, it's the barn. So this is the barn, this is the barn, and that's the loft in the barn, both figure five. And then the cabin is this one, figure six, that it doesn't have any bathroom. So this doesn't have a loft in it. No, so that's just cabin. I appreciate your confusion, it is confusing, but accurately that's not the cabin, this is the cabin. So they're allowed, what you're saying then, they're allowed then to have a kitchenette in the barn in the barn, yeah, that's so part of got, the application. You got two kitchenettes in the barn, then, correct? Because you got two bathrooms. Yes, he does. Two bedrooms uh, in the barn, but not so in the, the cabin. The, the second floor of the barn is the secondary dwelling unit that they're proposing, um, which is a use by right. Well, I don't know. Do you want to try and explain it? Yeah, Tina, can you just go over? Um, the, the buildings that are being proposed? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alan, would you scroll up um, to the, just the site plan really quick and just a little bit further? Okay, perfect. So what they're proposing are, is a primary dwelling unit, which you're allowed as a use by right. So that's somebody's single family residence. Um, they're proposing a barn in the second floor of the barn is a secondary dwelling unit, which is also a use by right. Um, so that's an 800 square foot maximum um, living space that includes a bathroom, the kitchen and a bedroom. The first floor of that barn would have, it's like a common facility for the, for the cabins. So that would have two bathrooms that are available for the guests to use and then a kitchen and a laundry area for the guests to use. And then there's the three 16 foot by 16 foot one room cabins that don't have plumbing connected to them. Does that clear, clarify it for you? Yes. Yeah, that's kind of uh, Any other? Questions or comments from the public? Yes, sir. Hi, my name is Rob Madoni. I own a lot at Canyon Meadow Ranch. And uh, I do appreciate what the planning has done and what the applicant has said so far as, as far as being a private use facility. My concern with this is originally that's not what was proposed. It was proposed as agro-tourism. It's proposed as a rental location and bringing tourists to that area. And that's where I think a lot of the concern came from the adjoining neighbors. Now, obviously the applicant is saying something else. It's gonna be private, it's gonna be just for family. My concern with this mostly is 
how is that going to be policed? Who's going to watch over that? Because I know it's not going to be Brock County. I've already talked to the planners earlier this week. They said they can't even police the uh, um, nightly rentals that are illegal in the county. So that's a big concern. And what can happen in the future is a concern. Uh, Tegan, do you want to respond to that or? Um, yeah, so in the planning department, of course, anybody's welcome to call on any um, permit that we have active. There's language in there that it, that if somebody's not in compliance, that permit can be called back up at any point. So it could have to go back before planning commission and the board of county commissioners if they're having a compliance issue. Um, we're also in the process of starting a code compliance um, or a permit compliance program so there'll be permanent inspections um, to make sure operations are operating within what was allowed on that permit and we also um, are in the process of starting more robust code enforcement process in our department um, because we're currently in the process of bringing on a code enforcement officer so I, I absolutely understand concerns from neighbors um, about what happens if something's not operating appropriately. Um, but the best method would be to give us a call and we will um, contact, you know, that permittee and visit the site and see what's going on. Hi, this is Jimmy. Um, I haven't commented yet. Oh, is it on? Yeah. 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 Can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. I, was, I just wanted to oh, mention. Who is this? This is Jody. I'm one of the um, permit applicants. I just wanted to remind everyone that I know you don't know us, but our original application, our original request was only for cabins for our family. And we were advised to go this other route because that was what fit with the county rules. So that's been our intent all along. Right, and also I'll just point out, I mean, this is why we have a review process. People can ask for, you know, the, the moon and the stars on an application, you see it all the time, but through the review process, we get back comments from our review agencies. And this is why neighbors are informed of the process and you have an opportunity to comment. And we share that with the applicant and they can amend their application accordingly to try to address any issues. Um, and this is a, an example of the um, applicant responding to some of the concerns and wanting to clarify the record of what is actually being proposed. Um, this kind of use, if approved, will have a permit attached to it. It's very easy to enforce an application that has a permit for us, unlike a short-term rental, that there's no permit process for it, something that's not permitted. Um, so it's very easy if there's complaints and concerns for us to bring it up for review and bring it back to the decision makers to address those concerns. So there, there's a lot more uh, belt and suspenders, if you will, uh, to address any complaints um, if there should be in the future. So, well, and hiring of a code enforcement officer, individual who's actually going to. And this was somewhat spawned by short-term rentals Correct. and the uh, inability to be able to regulate them. 
the byproduct of that is we're actually going to get instead of it just being the public who's the, the, the people who are reporting on this, there's actually going to be something reviewing, somebody reviewing these permits and checking up on them. So it's going to be a little bit. Uh, I don't I didn't 100% support that direction. Um, but I understand the benefits of it, especially as how it relates to short term rentals, because that's a bigger problem here in the county. And so I think you will see um, increased code enforcement in the valley, similar to what is happening here in Steamboat on a full time basis. That's correct. Well, we don't complete your bidding process to a more proactive approach. Thank you. Yes, people. So did you guys just say that with Windwalker, you approved a special use permit and then it got out of control and you couldn't enforce oh. what they did? No. I, I believe you just said that. Oh. Well, that's my... That is my personal opinion on what happened. Okay. So if it's if it's set in writing where they can open up a gun range and have wildfires, they can do that down the road. They 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 cannot. No. They're not proposing a gun range through this application. That's something that would fall into the same category, but they would have to actually be proposing that exact use. Or said differently, the, the proposal and the conditions of approval are limiting, limiting right. yeah, what can point. be done. That was right. my point. That's yeah. The action being taken by the applicant is actually limiting the uses on the property. The answer this question. Just mute. Sorry. Uh, any other questions? Hi, my name is Kathleen and I live in Canada. I'm actually in the first house at the bottom of the road, so we'll be really close to this dwelling place. And forgive me if I'm putting you through a little bit of difficulty, but I'm not understanding everything. So I have some questions. First of all, why aren't they just building a home to accommodate their family if it's just going to be families? Second of all, what I don't understand what constitutes a dwelling place. I think this lady here said something about it's not if it doesn't have a bathroom. What what makes something a secondary dwelling place? I believe is how you, as opposed to what did you call the camping things? Remote bedrooms. Remote. 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 Okay. So explain the difference, please. Is that the difference? One has. A bathroom and one doesn't? Is that the difference? Precisely. A, a dwelling unit has to have a bathroom, a kitchen, and space for living, um, sleeping, and eating. So it's got these five components. A remote bedroom is like simply a bedroom, which we don't allow as a use by right. So that's why they're having to go through this process. Um, because right. Okay. 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 So then let me bring up KOA. <laughs> You know how many people live for months and months at KOA? 
They go and they take a shower, they wash their clothes, but they live there. They live there full time. They sleep in, in their RV or in a cabin. For the longest time, those little cabins were just cabins, similar to this. So when you say it's not going to be long term for anybody like that, I, I have a hard time believing that. And to give you a little bit of history, for those of you who don't know, Canyon Valley has been dealing with, I think, the last four years, the pig farmer who has ruined one of our neighbor's land by ruining her pond. She has been crying for help from you folks and then from the people in Denver for years. And Mr. Keating has been able to just um, police himself. Meanwhile, her pond is still a mess. So to be perfectly frank with you, when you say that people are gonna come out and monitor with the hoops that Victoria has jumped through and nothing has been done, it's very hard to believe that. And once something like this gets in there, we're at the mercy, we're at the mercy. If people decide to make a left and go up the road to ride their bike or their RV or whatever, we're at their mercy. We can't do anything about that because it's already been granted. And so what, we go and call the sheriff and say, nanny, 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 and then nothing happens. That's what's been happening with Keating, nothing. And it's a mess. And to be perfectly frank with you, I don't know why the Eulers want to have this beautiful place. It seems like that they've already spent a lot of money on trying to figure out how they're going to build it. When he's right next to the pig farmer. And the way the pig farmer's been dealing with his pigs coming up on our property, they're sure as crap going to go in those cabins. How is he going to keep that from happening? It's going to be hell, excuse me, for him to have that beautiful place there. And if he's really wanting to build a place for just his children to come during the summer months. At this point in time, unless you have questions specific okay, to the petition. Okay, so I answered that question. Which one? Which one? The, the one about how when the pig farmer hasn't even been managed, how it's going to be for sure that this whole thing is going to be managed. I think the question has actually been answered. We have an ordinance. We have a permit in place or possibly we have a permit in place. And we have a code enforcement officer coming on board. And when the day is over and done with, if a neighbor complains, the complaint is logged with the county and it's investigated. I can't speak to what happened with the pig farmer. I'm sorry about that. But I do know this isn't. So you think that this is less bureaucratic red tape and that something could actually be done? Well, I think it's a major change when we go from what's known as a, a complaint-driven enforcement process to having a staff person that's actually responsible for doing that. Yes, I do. Okay, so then my other question is, why are they going down this road as opposed to just building a house like everybody else? That's a question that only they could answer. That's really got nothing to do with this hearing process. Right, right, right. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. Well, it sounds like it did because they were led towards the commercial as opposed to just doing a private. So that's why I'm asking the question. They were somehow told that it may be a better thing for them to go down the process of commercial as opposed to private. And so the problem with that is what? Well, I don't so, understand why. Why so they're going down the commercial process instead of private. They said, we want this barn and these cabins. How do we do that? Staff told them, this is the process that you have to go through to achieve that. And that's what they chose to do. And that bumped them into the commercial category. That bumped them into a special use permit. 
This is it's not, not commercial. commercial. Not commercial. Not oh, commercial. so this is no longer even commercial. No, legal. no, it's not commercial. Ma'am, did you read the last amendment? It's not commercial. Yeah, I've got the paperwork with me. But no, the very last amendment, amendment, the one that was on the screen. Yeah. 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 No, and, it's not. But the definition also, you said, is different from what they are limiting use for. So the definition that is there for everybody that had all the shooting range and everything in it, they're, they're not going to be able to do any of that because that's no. not going to be listed. No, the uses no. that are in the petition are what they're limited to. Yeah. Those were examples of what's typically allowed wow. within um, agricultural zoning. So they, in this Not necessarily all of them, you kind of pick and choose from. Well, it, it, some of them are uses by right. And, but when you do a special use permit, as what this applicant is choosing to do, you have to list what your activities are. And anything outside of those activities it invokes another level of if you if you try to change it a classic example is on this windwalker application the applicant went through the whole process and then built basketball courts and uh, maybe even a tennis court or something they, they yeah, went, let, let's not even talk about windwalker it is a recreational facility with overnight accommodations yeah. it is the exact same permit but what happened was is they, the basketball courts got noticed that they got built and it got brought back for review. So in that process, it actually, without even a complaint being filed, the process worked appropriately to bring back and review this, which nobody cared that they wanted to do to have a basketball court on there. It's like no big deal. But that's the, the point of what this SUP does. It actually limits the uses on the property significantly. And what they've proposed is hiking, biking, fishing, and canoeing. So that, that's all they can do. If they did a shooting range, they'd have to come back here and propose that and do this whole process over again. Okay, so that leads me to two more questions. <laughs> where, where can they fish and where can they canoe on that property? In, in the staff report, it comments that those um, that they've got hiking and biking and outdoor activities available on the subject property, but they're in close proximity to areas that people could canoe or fish. So there's other um, there's other area outdoor rec opportunities not directly on the parcel. Okay. Well, they will be limited to staying on their property. Even what about County Road for bicycling and RVing and stuff? Well, Anybody use the category? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Any other comments or questions? Uh, there's a Wendy on Zoom that has her hand up. Hi, I'm Wendy Nadoli. I'm Rob's wife. Um, we own property up in Canyon Valley Ranch. Um, I'm not an architect, so I'm not as familiar with all the codes, even though Rob tries to tell me about them. So my question to the planning commissioners are just, why is this zoned AF and why does it matter? Like AF is like one residential thing, one secondary dwelling. Why is that so important for the county to have it zoned that way all around the county? Could you please help me understand that? Like what, where did this come from? I know some of you probably weren't around when it was developed, but why was it developed in that manner? Yeah, you want to push you on family. So more than probably 90% of the county is zoned agricultural forestry, which is our 35 acre zoning. 
that comes from state statute, which the county has followed suit in. There are other locations in the county that are zoned less than that. Um, areas like Stagecoach, as an example, um, or places around Steamboat vicinity where you'll have older subdivisions that are five acre zoning, which is mountain residential estates that are five acre zoning. But beyond that, the county is um, relatively rural, and agricultural forestry is the zoning designation that those will apply to. And then when we look at zoning, there's numerous uses in our land use chart that are uses by right in every zoning category that we have throughout the county. It's located in the, the zoning regulations that you can find online. Um, but it details what you can and can't do in certain districts as a right or uses that may require further review through either administrative review or conditional use permit, or like this example, a special use permit, which has our highest review, uh, which is a recommendation by our planning commission and that goes to the Board of County Commissioners for an actual decision. Well, uh, I'd like to add to that. Uh, the, through all of the outreach and the master planning and all the planning efforts that the county has gone through over the past 50 years, the community has told us they value agriculture, they value open space, and, uh, and so the county has implemented that AF zoning with that minimum 35 acre lot size to help further those goals, to prevent urban sprawl, to maintain those agricultural operations, to maintain the open rural character of the county. And this zoning has been in place for 50 years since the county has adopted zoning in 1972. So it's nothing new and it is in response to the, to the community's wishes and how they'd like to see the county. Okay, I have a follow-up question. So when you all shared all those permits that have already been approved, what was the purpose of that? And is that routine? What was the purpose uh, of the chart? Mm -hmm. the, the purpose of all the, the whole list of the, the wind walkers and the, the King Ranch. Yeah, and all those. yeah. So staff created that chart um, probably four years ago at the planning commissioner's request as they were reviewing similar type operations. So they could get a snapshot of um, all the uses that we have permits on, uh, similar to this sort of uh, use being proposed here tonight. So we keep that, um, and if we have applications like this, we will we'll routinely bring it up um, so they can look and compare what was previously approved, and it's essentially a cumulative impact type assessment for what's being proposed. Okay, so if this permit is approved, which goes against 50 years of tradition, it will set a precedence is what you're telling me because it'll be added to this list in our county. I'm not okay with that. Maybe you guys are, but I think that's wrong. That will forever change our county. It's, it's to be clear that this application here tonight isn't for a change of zone. The property is zoned agricultural forestry. Right, but you're allowing a special permit that hasn't been allowed in the past for just three cabins for family and friend use. Has that ever been allowed? I mean, you showed what has passed, what hasn't been passed. 
Um, so through through the creation of the zoning regulations, planning commission, the board, and the community has said there are certain uses that are appropriate in the AF zone district. And that was that list that Mr. Yule pulled up. Uh, some of those are use by rights that don't require any type of approval. Some of them require special use permits. And so the main thing that we are looking at when we're doing a review of an application is, is this use appropriate on this site? Just because a similar use has been approved on another site doesn't mean that that would get that same use will get approved on another site. It's very site specific, proposal specific, um, and so that's why we have this review. And they were able to go through this process because the county and the community has said this use is this type of use is appropriate in this zone district, subject to a special use permit. So we're not changing anything. We're just going through the process that the commissioners in the community have said we want to go through for these types of proposals. Okay, I just disagree. And I just wanna share that I disagree. I think that people are gonna start buying lots. They're gonna get a special use permit and they're gonna start putting little cabins on them. And I think that that's gonna change the culture of our community. That's just my opinion. And I just wanted to share it tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? Any hands up that I can't see? Okay. Hearing none and seeing none, I'll close the public uh, comment portion of this proceedings. Um, commissioners, questions again for staff and or the petitioner. Question for petitioner. Um, I see you two well permits. My understanding is that neither of the wells have been uh, dug themselves. That, that's correct. We have the permits. We don't have the wells. My other question is the application and, and your overview of the application, you discussed the need for a manager caretaker to be in the secondary unit. With the non-commercial use, does that continue? We would like it to, and we're we're proposing that the uh, that loft that we discussed, the the picture figure five, we're proposing that that is a by right accessory dwelling unit. So we would be allowed, and and our proposal is not to rent it to tourists. We'd like to get somebody who lives in the community there for all of the reasons that were um, presented by the public commentary, squatters, people driving through the neighborhood. We'd like to have a caretaker on site just to keep an eye on things. Um, that's our desire, but um, I, I don't think we feel like that's set in granite or anything like that, but um, that's what we're proposing. Thank you. Any other questions, commissioners? Uh, Tegan? Yes. Could you do me a favor? Could you um, put on the screen yeah. the uh, last amendment or the additional one? Yeah, let me, I'll share the uh, conditions of. Right. Yes, I'm sorry. What did I say? Yeah, I'm sorry. I misspoke. 
20, do you want to do that final one on um, pertaining yeah. to private use? I think Those, it's number 29. Yeah. I just want to see that. Yeah, and if this, if, if you guys were interested in recommending approval with this, with that condition, we would remove number 16 um, pertaining to sales tax licensing. Right, but I wanted to see the words that you had proposed. So you can I be a little better if you could enlarge that? Oh, yes. Thanks, Sarah. Is, that, is this better or more? A little bit more, more. would be nice. <laughs> Sorry. That's the memory thing. That's the memory thing. I got. I don't know why you guys are laughing. <laughs> I, hope, I hope you can see it now. <laughs> We're picking on me, and that's why. <laughs> Um, just maybe a quick take your temperature. Allowing that condition number 16 goes away. Right. And number 29 is added. Right. Jim, just your general thoughts. I'm generally in favor with the conditions as they're proposed and use as commensurate with the zoning, especially use permit. Uh, uh, all the issues have been raised about uh, potential violations or no different than potential points or anything we approve. Yeah, right. And that will be up to the county citizenry to see if it's enforced. Okay. Thank you. Go. I'm in favor of that way. Also, all my questions were answered. Thank you, Tegan. Ryan, you're good. Andy? I would support the removal of 16, um, the addition of 29, which would then become 28, Sarah will take care of numbering, of course. Um, I think it's important to remember uh, two things that were said. Uh, the question about the, the matrix or the list that was brought up, that is for context only. It has no any previous decisions play no part in our current decisions. Um, we, we analyze the application based on its merits solely and not on other applications in the county. Um, and it's also important to note that the special use permit is being sought as a way to have cabins on a property. And I think it works well for that because cabins are a historic pattern that was generally found in the valley for hundred plus years. Our current building and zoning doesn't allow for anyone to have a cabin. So this is a, a way that we can allow someone to do to develop the land in the way that they, they see fit. You know, not everybody wants a, a cabin with no bathroom facilities into it. So I, I, I think that this works well to accommodate that. Overall, I would support a recommendation of Approval of this application. Thank you. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 28. Right. So, since the applicant no longer owns the 19.65 acres, what is their ability to make that happen? Um, they're working with the adjacent property owner to rectify that. I understand, but they, they no longer, the Foxes, if I gather the Foxes sold the Yules, sold off separately 19.65 acres, 
and the Yules no longer own it. Is that correct? That's correct. The Yules never owned it. Correct. That's what I'm getting at. So um, that goes back to the question, what is your ability to rectify that? They do not own it. This is coming from direction from the county attorneys. I understand. So it's a bigger issue. Yeah. Um, so and I see the issue. I know. Yeah. 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 I think your question really is what's the incentive, and I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess that's not necessarily our concern. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah. let's move on. Yeah. And I have a lot of challenges with this application. Um, again, for me, it comes back to site. I just don't feel that this SUP, this level of density and impact is appropriate for this particular site. This particular valley, I am familiar with it. Um, it's very narrow, um, and so that density is felt uh, at a higher level. Um, I think if we map just where the improvements are going to be, and really the remaining land that's not as useful because of topography, it just it really focuses the density. I think for me to get more comfortable with this application. Um, couple of things would need to happen. Um, number one, with the application for a single family residence, I would want to see the cabins removed um, to limit the density of impacts. Um, and number two, the commercial well permit, um, which is just for interior use, uh, domestic use. It has no uh, ability for outside use I think that commercial well application should be vacated. Um, but simply put, I, I just feel that this is not the right use for this particular site. Okay. Great. To me, the concern of uh, kind of creating an STR that was uh, going to be created with this application before um, number 29 was put in was very concerning for me um, with this getting put into place that kind of alleviates a lot of my concerns of having other people thinking that this would be an easy way to kind of create uh, some STRs and different things uh, on their properties, even if it would just be one or two. Um, and so with that uh, number 29 condition, I'm comfortable with this. Thank you, Greg. Paul. Uh, I have no issues with this. Sorry? I have no issues. Any other comments, Commissioner? Question. It's a public is are we closed for just commissioner conversation? No, not at all. Speak up and reopen. This uh, this is just a round table. Round yeah, round table. I'm just soliciting opinions. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to figure out what what to say when. Um, say it now. Yeah, I'll say it now. Yeah. No. Uh, so not, I, I was, yeah, I, honestly, God, I have an opinion. Good. <laughs> That's what I was asking for. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not earning my money tonight. Um, you know, this is a this is three cabins, um, special use barn in a large home on 60 acres in the middle of nowhere. This project does impact me traffic wise because I travel that space along that canyon all the time. So I, I understand that this does impact me in not just that way, but in other ways, as well as uh, as um, 
these folks traveling to Hayden and enjoying the evening there. And their traffic is also now on State Route 40. I understand the concerns about impacting the county road um, with, with this project. I think that project is a simple project. It's a private project on a, on a space that um, obviously has been hate for a while, but if this, these folks are, are, are going to continue to have at least a small ranch feel to it, I think this is an okay idea. Oh, yeah. No, thank In you. My that, that's that's what I was soliciting. So we're good. Yep. Let me make one more comment. Surely. The concern that I have, in addition to what I stated, is what Brian brought up. If they acquire the the additional 19 acres right by use, two single-family houses, two detached secondary units, not to exceed 800 uh, finished square feet, uh, along with three cabins. It, it just, again, it just seems too much density. Okay. Uh, take a motion? Thank you. You took the words right out of my mouth, Jim. I'd uh, move uh, recommending approval of activity number uh, uh, PL 2021-0018 with uh, 28 conditions as now listed after removing 16 and added 29. Uh, second that. Thank you, Bill. Discussion on the motion. And again, we have a motion now to approve. Recommend. 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 I just, I, I do have a question about 16. I should write about five minutes ago. Okay, for conversation, let's just say they start raising 50 tons of pumpkins every fall. Will they need a sales tax license for that? I have no idea. But that wouldn't be part of this use. But that's part of the issue. Okay, there you go. Thank you. So we have a motion to recommend PL 2021018 to the Board of County Commissioners. Any discussion on the motion? In a second, I'm sorry. Any discussion? All those in favor, please signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed? Opposed. Ren, can we know your position for the record? Um, chair votes yes, and the motion is approved in here. Thank you. Next time on agenda, Cowgirl Compost. Thank you, Rand. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't say word. I'm just wondering how much I paid her. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Next item on the agenda, PL 20210030, Cowgirl Compost Company. Um, again, as typical, is there a petitioner that will be presenting to the commissioners with a narrative and comments? And if so, I'm guessing on. She's, she's her too. Okay, so. Can we get that up? Okay, when is it you? Uh, can yes. You can you hear us? I can hear you. Perfect. We can hear you. Okay. So there was a presentation. Did Alan? Does Alan have that? Yes, I will. Great. Thanks. So do I just get started? You may. <laughs> okay. So um, I'm, I'm Wynn Kalman and I am here to talk to you guys tonight about Cowgirl Compost Co, a company that um, I had have recently started. Um, if you wanna go to the next slide, Alan. Um, a little bit about me. Again, my name is Wynn Cowman. Um, I've lived in uh, Route County, Steamboat Springs for about 22 years. Um, yes, I'm married to Scott Cowman, if any of you guys know him. Um, he's the um, environmental director at in Route County. Um, and I have been working um, in Route County as a, as a waste professional for some time. Um, I worked for Hayden Station for ten, for five years um, and then went to work for an environmental engineering company um, where I was doing a lot of permitting for solid waste disposal facilities, um, landfills, um, compost facilities, recycling facilities. Um, and, and then just recently, um, I went to work for the Yampa Valley Sustainability Council as their waste diversion, um, waste diversion director. So... Um, super involved in waste, waste diversion, spent a lot of time at landfills and am super motivated to keep materials out of landfills. Um, and a little bit of background about how Cowgirl Compost um, Co. came to be. Um, I helped um, YVSC back in 2018 with the Route County um, Waste Diversion Strategic Plan. I helped facilitate that process. Um, and out of that strategic plan, one of the um, recommendations was to address organics. Um, and so the organics task force was created and that was that's been headed up by Gail Gary for some time in, in coordination with the Yampa Valley Sustainability Council. 
Um, and that was actually one of the only task forces that really, I, I would say it's been the most effective task force of the, of the five or so that were recommended by that strategic plan. Um, and it, it's had a lot of community support and a lot of people have put quite a bit of effort into um, bringing composting back to the valley. Um, we had people purchase buckets for it. We had people doing free advertising, free website, I mean, volunteer website development. Um, they've helped with, the city helped with the grant application. Um, there's, people have volunteered marketing expertise. So it's been really been a community effort to put this compost operation together. If you want to go to the next slide. Um, and so just to talk a little bit about the need for composting, um, the, Northwest, the Northwest Colorado Waste Diversion Study that was done in 2018 and found that um, 28.4% by volume of municipal solid waste is actually organic material. Um, and then when you looked at the greater uh, Northwest Colorado region, the number was a little higher at 30.3%. Um, and as you can see, um, the, the graphic on the left, uh, food waste is um, around, I think that's, I think that says 30 Sorry, I can't see very well myself, but um, it, it runs around 30%, sorry. Um, and then the 2021 Route County Climate Action Plan has also called out organics um, management composting as being um, important for greenhouse gas reductions. So there's all sorts of reasons um, that we've wanted to bring composting back um, and it, some I, I know that Alan goes into some of this in his staff report, so I'm not going to get go into it too deeply. Um, but this facility in particular, Cowgirl Compost Co., is actually carbon neutral. Um, is actually carbon negative, um, with a goal of being carbon neutral. If you want to go to the next slide, uh, some of the benefits which I I hit on are reducing greenhouse gas emission by keeping um, organics out of the landfill. Organics are the items in a landfill that um, generate the most greenhouse gas emissions. When they break down, um, they create methane, which um, is one of the most potent greenhouse gas emissions that we have. Um, one, another benefit of having composting here is to treat waste locally um, so that it's not being shipped elsewhere, but rather being handled here locally, which typically that's what happens with composting is that it's, it's, it's managed um, as opposed to say recycling, which gets shipped long distances, um, composting is actually managed uh, local. And then obviously the compost itself um, enhances soil health and productivity of that soil. So there's, there's benefits there of keeping these materials in the valley and certainly, um, and, and having these materials go back to the soils rather than sitting in a landfill. Um, also a compost facility creates jobs and it, I, it, this facility in particular is, I'm the owner of the facility. So this, this facility in particular is female owned and operated. So go to the next slide. Um, the process that we are doing um, is that we have, uh, our feedstock is, is food waste um, and food wastes are collected from both residents and businesses in the Yampa Valley. Um, and our bulking material is wood chips. That compostable foodware is actually a mistake. So any compostable foodware 
um, is actually lumped in with the food waste and the bulking material is wood chips. Um, and the wood chips are collected um, mostly from landscaping operations or actually primarily from landscaping operations. Um, we have tree services that come out and, and bring us the wood chips. Um, for generally, they're looking to get rid of them. Otherwise, they go to the landfill. Um, so they, uh, I am in contact with them and they let me know that if they have a load and they come out and bring wood chips when we need it. Um, water is added to this um, to help with the process. Um, and then the piles are monitored for temperature. They have to meet a certain temperature for a certain period of time in order to meet the criteria um, of being compost. Um, and then the piles are mixed and turned, which, which helps to aerate them. And that, that's really the difference between composting and what happens to these materials in the landfill is that you're providing oxygen to this, the process um, so that you don't generate methane um, and rather it, it breaks it down and turns it into a, a, a nutrient rich, rich soil amendment. Um, and then obviously the, the, or not obviously necessarily, but the, the compost would be returned to the community. We do um, give it back to the subscribers, who, the people who give us the food waste. Um, we do give it a dividend back to them. And then what we have left after giving out that dividend, um, we would sell to local landscapers um, to use. Go to that next one. Um, the state regulations that apply to this facility are the solid waste regulations. Um, this facility is a, a, a tiny, you know, in comparison to um, there are plenty of, there are much larger facilities out there. We are a conditionally exempt small quantity generator. Um, so we are exempt from a lot of what would apply normally to a compost facility. Um, and that one of the, some of the, the restrictions that we have based on that category is that we can only have five cubic yards of in-process material if, if, the, if the composting is happening on the ground. Um, and if it's happening in vessel, we can only have 10 cubic yards of in-process material um, at any given time. And so in-process material does only apply to the food waste that doesn't take into account the wood chips. Um, and, and just generally speaking, the, the, the proportion of um, food waste to wood chips is one, one to three. Um, so it's a lot more wood chips than there is food waste once you mix this material. Um, and then uh, the in-process limitation, um, I may have already said this, but only refers to um, material that has not yet met the time and temperature requirements. Um, once it's met the, the temperature requirements, it's no longer considered to be in-process. Um, and the product itself, prior to us being able to sell it or distribute it, it has to be lab tested for certain parameters that are, are listed in the regulations. Um, and then an annual report is required to be submitted to the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment um, every March 1st of every year. Um, and then finally, um, stormwater, this facility will have a stormwater permit. Um, and so stormwater, you know, will be, um, will be if, if there's ever a discharge from the facility, um, stormwater will be tested and, and, and will need to meet the requirements of the permit, basically or else then BMPs, if not, then BMPs will be put in place to, to reach um, those limits. So next one. 
And that's it. <laughs> Thank you. Alan, you're there. Sorry, I'm working. No, take your time. We all have the same frustrations, Alan. <laughs> all right, so Glenn did a pretty good job of explaining the operation. I'm just going to go into a few more details. So we're here today to review the special use permit application for Cowboy Compost. Uh, planning staff has recommendations on conditions of approval for the SUP that were in the staff packet. And since this is a special use permit, planning commission will be making a recommendation to the board of county commissioners who will have the ultimate decision. So here on the bottom, we have a vicinity map. The, this red dot is the, is the location of the facility. Here's the, the Valley Airport. Here's the town of Hayden. Here's a blow up of the site of the blue and parcel lines, Highway 40 to the south, uh, the existing metal structure in the center of it, parking area to the left. There's two hoop uh, greenhouses in this area. And then this area right here is the compost area. So the goals of the hearing are to introduce this application and the state regulations. So as when said, this is a conditionally exempt small quantity compost facility and the limitation on uh, not in vessel uh, compost in process is five cubic yards or less. Uh, the state has four classes of compost facilities there's exempt, class one, class two, class three. The categories are determined by the types of items that are composted and in size. And so just for reference, the twin landfill is a class three compost facility, and they do have to have an engineer design and operation plan for the compost facility in addition to the, to the rest of the facility. So we're, you're also going to make a recommendation to the Board of County Commissioner with the conditions of approval. So here's the uh, uh, better image of the site. Uh, again, so Highway 40 to the south, there is a fence that goes around the property. There's a fence that runs on Highway 40 as well. And so the compost area would be immediately to the to the north of that fence. Um, and the approved uses that currently are on the site is for a light industrial operation. And that is Bar Unites Granola Bar Manufacturing. In 2017, this site was approved for a light industrial use for hemp cultivation and extraction. Bar uh, Eats is similar is a similar use with similar hours of operation, traffic, and number of employees as that was what was approved in 2017. 
so her operation would consist of two to three part-time employees. Typical hours of operation are 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, she will be collecting food waste, that is some kitchen scraps, and in steamboat and will be bringing it to the site herself or one of her employees. But then customers in Hayden will be able to drop items off at the, at the site. Uh, so she went through the, the process for actually making the compost, mix, mixing the food waste with wood chips, turning the piles. Um, that compost has to meet prescribed temperatures and durations to ensure pathogen and seed destruction. She must adhere to testing requirements dictated by the state. Um, and she will be obtaining a general stormwater permit from CDPHE, which will include a stormwater management plan. So we did receive two public comments, uh, and those were from the neighbors immediately to the north. They were generally supportive, and both of them had requests for additional conditions. Uh, the first one, First bullet is in relations in relation to nuisance conditions and if there are any nuisance conditions beyond the site boundaries that best management practices will be implemented to prevent those nuisance conditions. Uh, the other request for additional conditions of approval included increased setbacks. From, uh, from different elements. So 200 feet from residences, 50 feet from the property lines, and 100 feet from wells. Uh, those, and those standards come from South Carolina's composting regulations. And so staff reviewed South Carolina's regulations where these setbacks came from and uh, Colorado's, and they're really not comparable because South Carolina allows more types of material to be composted and allows significantly more quantity. Um, in the state, the Colorado State Solid Waste Regulations do not have any prescribed setbacks for compost operations. Uh, they also requested to have a groundwater monitoring plan put in place. So, uh, uh, wells on neighboring properties tested right now to take a baseline and then tested every six months. Uh, the state does not require a groundwater monitoring plan um, for exempt or class one facilities. So you could, the state doesn't require a groundwater monitoring plan until you get to that class two facility, which allows for uh, more items to be composted in a significantly larger scale. Uh, Division of Water Resources was also contacted to see if there would be any effects on the existing wells in the area from this operation, uh, but they did not get back to me in time for this hearing. So I hope to have comments from them on this particular issue before the Board of County Commissioners. So staff is in support of the, the first bullet, but based on the reasons just given, we're not in support of the increased setbacks 
for the groundwater monitoring plan. So some issues for discussion include should there be any additional mitigation measures that need to be implemented to prevent nuisance conditions, and are the existing buffers to neighboring residences uh, adequate? And those distances are 300 and 500. And so just need to mention the climate action plan. You, you heard this before, but just want to make it for the record. It was adopted by Route County and all of the municipalities in 2021. And it's a county's framework for achieving its sustainability goals. And it puts an emphasis on waste diversion, so much so that it has an entire chapter devoted to, to waste diversion. And so uh, this application was reviewed against the climate action plan because the climate action plan does have policies that relate to, to land use issues. And we use this plan just like we do the, the master plan in evaluating an application against those policies that are contained within the plan. And waste, waste processors are a partner in achieving these goals because of the county's goal of uh, reducing waste that goes into the landfill. Um, so that's all I've got for now. I'm uh, open for questions. Gentlemen? Right. My main question was regarding the turnover of the compost itself. I see it's limited to five yards of type of material and five yards of wood chips. So you have 10 yards on site, if I'm reading it correct. How often is that 10 yards getting turned over? And then the only other comment I have is the groundwater is very shallow in this area. Um, you could dig down three feet almost anywhere. And some of the neighboring properties, which I've visited, have surface water, which uh, is probably now the ground. That whole tabletop up by the airport has significant surface or near surface groundwater. So that's something I think we should be aware of. But how often does the pile turn over? I'm, I'm going to leave that to land. Yeah. So it varies, but um, I would say on average, um, every like three weeks, it varies according to the what the temperatures are. So I mean, it, when it's warmer in the summer, it'll be it'll be turned more frequently. In the winter, it doesn't get turned as often because you want it to maintain that heat and reach those temperatures. So. Kind of a similar question though is part of my question as well. Um, I was wondering, is there any other kind of waste material? I mean, you're saying that what is composted and is usable material will go to landscapers and whoever uh, you know helps donate to the landfill. Is there any other kind of waste material associated with this or does that just keep getting processed until it's usable? I'm not sure I'm I'm understanding the question, but I, I will say maybe and maybe this answers your question. There is some um, there is some food um, with the food waste. There is some paper waste like napkins and paper towels um, that are in there with the food waste. Otherwise, it's just food waste, uh, whatever um, food related papers are in there and the wood chips. 
So yeah, I guess I, I'm trying to relate to kind of more so of like a landfill or something like that, where it kind of grows over time and it has capacity issues because of that. And I'm just seeing if when, you know, paper or something like that, what is your mitigations? Like you're just going to have a dumpster and then take that to the dump or is there more excess than like a typical dumpster associated with this? So I, you know, I take those, so you're talking about any materials that don't meet that, that are actually trash when I'm picking, when I'm going through the piles and mixing. Yeah, just what, I mean, there's obviously going to be some non-usable stuff uh, that, and what is going to happen with that and what's the amount that is expected from something of this operation. Yeah, so I have um, I have buckets with me when I'm out there, and I I do pick I do pick like materials out of it that don't belong. Um, generally, our subscribers do a really good job of not putting that stuff in there, but absolutely it shows up every now and then. And I pick that out and I put it in the bucket and take it home with me. <laughs> um, and put it so, in. So so it's it won't even be a dumpster. It would be a trash. Oh. It's like a couple of pieces in the bottom of a five gallon bucket. It's really, really, yeah, it's, they're really okay. good. Yeah. The rest of it can be turned over and be reused and repurposed. Absolutely. Yep. What is it that can't be used? Um, you know, people don't take the little off of their vegetables. A lot of times they'll, they'll toss them out with the, um, the wire that comes on the vegetables when you buy it in the grocery store. Um, I've seen a Ziploc bag every now and then, you know, I, I guess probably just one of those, but, um, you know, just random things that I would think kids are probably throwing <laughs> into the compost bin that, that don't belong in there. But it, yeah, but again, I mean, it's, I just put them in a, in a bucket and they're just barely cover the bottom of the bucket and I dump it in my trash when I get home. So. Ren's got one more yet. Okay. So a hundred percent of this application is on the very uh, south side of this site. It doesn't encompass the two, uh, two grown, uh, greenhouses that you alluded to. I know. So this is, this is an older picture, but the greenhouses are kind of located right here. And so uh, there's a, a space for her to drive a truck or a trailer or a skid steer through here, and then the compost pile right there. So it's far away from the neighbors. Um, what is the water source? I don't know if you know where it goes. Uh, there, there's a well on the property. There's a well, commercial well on the property. And how much water would, are you talking about using within your five cubic yards? Well, let's see. I'm generally, I'm generally processing, I'm not processing five cubic yards at a time. Um, so right now on a weekly basis, um, I'm not even bringing in one cubic yard um, probably each week. So, um, and I would say for, for less than, I'm going to get like three, maybe three fourths of a cubic yard. I might be adding, um, I'm, and I'm guessing 50 gallons. I mean, it's, it's by, I'm doing it visually. Um, you want that material base. I mean, maybe this is a better way to say it. You want that material to be spongy. Um, 
when you pick it up. Um, I'm not achieving that um, because the water the, the water that I'm accessing um, is it, during the winter, it's been difficult to get the water over there. Um, so um, I don't know, I would say maybe 50 gallons to a, a cubic yard. Um, last question, you and Sand Hill Environmental are the same? Correct, yes. Andy, there's going to be five cubic yards in process. And then do you, once it comes out of process, do you typically have room to store the material before it goes back out to the subscribers? Yeah, so I, so I like just the last time I had three different piles that were at varying levels. Um, and they matured and I combined them all into one pile. So I move that over and then I start the new ones. Um, and so, um, and, and compost shrinks about 80%. So when you look at what you're adding that one cubic yard, and then you're adding three cubic yards of, um, of wood chips to that, that you, and then you combine those, right? So you've got about one cubic yard of food waste, three cubic yards of wood chips, you combine them, add water, that shrinks down 80% before it's um, actually compost. It breaks down that much. And so would you say you have 10 cubic yards of storage of completed compost at maximum production? Um, what did I say? I have 10 cubic yards. It's, it's hard to answer because they're at varying degrees. So, um, there's plenty of room. Is that, is that the, what you're getting at for storage of it? I mean, there's, so I when it, I, when I, so coming from a landscaping background, right. Uh, I would buy, you know, 15 ton, 10 cubic yards of this material, depending on the size of the project, or say something down at, if you were to use Hale's landscape as a, a distribution point for this, you know, he would be looking to purchase it and say 10, you know, 10 cubic yard dumps. Right. You're not, you're not producing that volume. Do you foresee yourself getting up to a volume of that level? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm required to get to, to have it, to have it leave the property. Like there is a requirement on, you can't just keep creating compost and not sell it and get rid of it. Right. So I've got to keep it moving off the property as I make it. And then when you do the chemical, chemical analysis, it's uh, you could provide a, basically an NPK to anyone that asks so that they can tell what they're getting? Yeah, NPK is actually not one of the requirements, but that is something that I would I would like to do. I have not yet gotten to a point of having finished compost that is ready to be tested. Um, obviously you wanna accumulate um, a good bit of that before you pay to have it tested, right? So um, anyway, NPK is not required by regulation. As, um, as, as Alan said, it's more metals and um, 
a pathogen reduction criteria. So salmonella, fecal or coliforms and salmonella. Um, and so, but the NPK is more, you know, for selling it, like you said, to a landscaper, that's something that they would want. Um, and so it's, it's probably something that I will be doing, but um, it's not required by regulation. Uh, when I have a question, or actually, well, it's either. I think I heard you say that you have arrangements with those that are bringing the wood chips in. In exchange, they get compost going out. But I think also heard you say that you sell it. Like, sell, sell. And if that's the case, don't we need a sales tax or certificate thing? Don't we need number 16? <laughs> the one thing, the 16 thing we got rid of? We got to have one of those here? Um, yes, and I have. I have not gotten to the point of selling compost yet. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that I will have an, I mean, I definitely will have something to give back to our subscribers. This is a tiny facility. Um, right. so, oh, yeah. yeah. This is more of a housekeeping issue, I think. Yeah, yeah. So that is, it sounds like that's something I would need to have before I sell it. Whether that has to be as condition of use, I am somewhat. Uh, yeah, the best I can do is say I'll look into yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Or question, um, and I don't know if this will be for staff or the applicant. Um, with the Hayden drop-off, I would imagine that it's just like uh, two-gallon buckets that are getting dropped off. Is it going to be going in through the lock gate, and it, that's when the operation? And so it will be screened. Basically, I'm asking screening purposes. Are these going to be, even though they're uh, bear resistant or anything like that, uh, are they going to be screened from Highway 40? So right now it's sitting, um, let's see, in, in the front. It's, it's sitting right just in front of that locked gate so that people can access it. It's not being used. I don't have anyone um, in Hayden currently, but I wanted to be able to serve Hayden. And that, so that was the point of adding that um, in there. So it's just in front of the locked gate. It's tucked under um, like an overhang on that facility. Um, and it is a it is a forty eight gallon trash toter um, with the bear proof bear proofing on the top. And would that be screened from forty? Could you see it from forty? Um, you know, I don't I don't think you can see it from forty. Um, it's behind some. The reason you can't see it from forty is it's it's behind something else. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Um, one last one, uh, yeah, another question. The issue about odors, how confident are you that you can truly manage the odors? I mean, I'm guessing you've got experience and that's why you're pretty strong about it, but I'm asking the question, how confident are you? Yeah, so I attended the US Compost Council's training in Fort Collins. Um, it was a week, a, a week long training where we, um, you know, went through all of this and talked extensively about how to manage odors. And, and I was, you know, I was somewhat nervous about it until um, just recently went out and combined in the picture that you saw the three piles, I combined all, all three of the piles and, um, and, you know, and the odors were minimal. And that was what I was told during the class um, that, you know, if you keep your moisture um, 
in check and you keep aerating it, then you shouldn't have moisture issues. I mean, you shouldn't have, sorry, odor issues. Um, and I, um, you know, I, I smelled it a little bit when I first started turning the pile, but, but, but it quickly, um, went away. It wasn't super offensive. Um, and for the most part, it smells pretty earthy. I mean, it's, it's a lot of wood chips. Um, you know, the proportion of food waste to wood chips, it's, it's a lot of wood chips. <laughs> so, so I feel confident that I can manage the odors. Thank you. Other questions, commissioners? Uh, I'll open it up to the public for comments and or questions. Anyone wish to comment? Uh, my name is Tyson Sweetser. Uh, my grandparents currently own the property just to the north. Uh, wife and I are in the process of buying that. Plan to have a bot here um, at the end of the month. Um, very familiar with this property. Um, my aunt, a long time ago, used to be in this building, so know it. Um, my main concern is water quality for me and my family. And drinking water. So, um, Alan, can I have you go to the picture there where it shows kind of the back side of my property? Yeah. Um, so that, that that's my main concern right there is drinking water. Um, I understand that we are moving to a place that has a commercial residence right next to it. Um, I am supportive of composting. My wife does it. All about uh, helping out the environment and reducing our waste there for that. Uh, I will be pulling water samples there out of my well um, on the beginning of this week and getting them tested through ACC labs uh, with the, um, just to have a baseline there of what is in the water right now. So to kind of give you guys a reference of wells and where they're at on properties, um, my well is going to sit about right here, back of the house. Their well sits right here inside this building. Um, there's a forever easement that my grandparents did with other owners there in the past that says, um, I have got an easement to th this ground that is theirs. Um, and they have got an easement to this ground up here that is mine. So um, I wish that they would have handled that a little bit different and we would have tried to swap some ground there, but that was out of my control at that time. So, um, uh, so the, the, there is wells and, and water is right there at the surface. Um, I am happy there that uh, there is a stormwater plant um, I currently manage one of those out at the airport, so I'm very familiar with them. And so if I'm going to get my water tested there and I have a baseline, and if I agree that I'm going to get my water tested every six months or annually, I want to know where do I stand and when I get contaminants from a composting facility on this property. How do we control that? Um, I'm directly downgrading from them. And I mean, water doesn't run uphill very easily. 
For reference there on five cubic yards, five cubic yards is nine feet by five feet by three feet tall. Um, my other concern, and I don't know why this, uh, how this happened there. Um, we already have composting going on on the facility, and we're just now talking about it here and getting it approved. I'm not sure how that happened. Where, where did that come into play? Well, well, why is this already going on? And we're just now talking about it. Um, in, my, in my opinion, the property there is 1.3 acres. Um, that is the, the total property. So that's not just what's up on top. So just up on top, the flat spot is probably close to an acre. Not very big facility there when you start talking about storing compost. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at we don't have a way to even sell it yet. Um, she's talking small. How, how much of it just piles up, and then we're over there and we're within 100 feet of a well. Um, according to well statutes and drilling a well, you have to be a hundred feet from any open source of contamination. Now that is when you're drilling, but I don't know why when you're drilling a well, and if why would you want to bring something in within a hundred feet of contamination that well? It's already in existence. Um, those are some of the questions that I have. Alan, thanks for getting back and all that too. Can you tell me where your well pump is set at? What elevation? What depth? My well pump is set at 133 33. Okay. In the static level, that well is 10 feet. So if you get on a little bit of background, if you get on the Colorado Division of Resources, and look for these two wells. These two wells are not on there. Okay, my well is permitted. They, they've been they've been drilled a long time ago. Um, I know a little bit about water wells there. My dad works for Aztec Drilling. I worked for him for um, years. My well is is permitted, but it has it across the road, and so I need to go through. Once I get the property in my name, I will relocate it and get it all legal there to where it shows it. Um, in the proper location. Um, this well that's up here is actually on my property. It's not for for my new, but it, it is on my property up here. And neither of those wells come up on the deficient records, correct? Correct. So the, the wells, the one well, the two wells on the on the north side of the road, neither of those are in your family name. Yes. The, this one is in my family name right here. And it, it shows it now on the state. It's in Wayne and D. Sweetser's name right now. It shows it in the state being over here. Oh, not the two not exactly bit farther out. Because I don't today. So try to understand. So it 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 shows it being out here a long time ago when I filled out all that, didn't get it in the right spot, get the coordinates right. 
I will go through the process there and get this well into my name and relocated there to where it should be. Questions for repeal? No. I'm good. Anybody? Anyone else in the public? My name is Cody Sweetser, Wayne, Indiana. Present owners of the property just to the north of the commercial site are my parents and that with my son. Um, to help you answer his last question, at one point in time, one lady owned all that bottom ground and she drilled several holes. And then when she started breaking it out, she just started saying, yeah, this well goes to this property. And back in the day, uh, the 50s, um, and state didn't even start recognizing locations of wells until 74 or something like that. So that's how that ended up being like that. So possibly uh, questions for the applicant more so than you all. Um, on the state regs, when it, when they're talking about having five yards, is that five yards when it shows up? Or as you mentioned, shrinkage of 80%, can you keep adding to that to have a total volume of that five yards? Wynn, can you respond to that, please? Yeah, so it's it's five cubic yards of um, feedstock in process at any given time. So the material that has met the time and temperature or the temperature requirements is not figured into that five yards. Once it's met the temperature requirements, it's no longer considered in process. Another question for you. Um, once, once your piles have composted and they're ready to go out the door. Um, do you feel that those are still in a composting state? Are they still biodegrading and breaking themselves down at that point? They won't be heating up anymore, so I would say no. Okay, because my question would be if it's five yards on site and now you've turned over, uh, you've made one batch and now you bring in other, and to me, things decay for a long, long time and being as fresh as that would seem to me, I would, I would consider that. And I have no, I have no background into this area, of course, but I would consider those still to be composting at, at times. Um, and I may be misstating myself there, but I just see that um, as happening. Um, and one of my other question for you would be the control of drop-off. And I know you did mention that you have no Hayden, Hayden uh, participants at this time, but um, uh, real quick in reference, um, as I see the high barrels put out every year by the Boy Scouts or whoever does that, they get overloaded, overloaded, overloaded. And my concern would be um, on, a, on a free drop or a, a drop-off that is not um, regulated, or somehow, how would you control the amount of compost that you may end up receiving? What happens when somebody comes up and dumps, gives you a whole truckload, and then three other people do the same, and now you're now you're overloaded with compost as far as your yardage is concerned, according so, to this. So yeah, so they so people who who subscribe to the service. First of all, no commercial customers would use this bin. It would be a residential customer. And they have a three and a half gallon bucket that they collect their material in during the week. Um, and so you can fit, you know, eight three and a half gallon buckets into one bin. I'm out there weekly, um, sometimes twice a week. So I'm emptying that bin um, constantly, you know, 
throughout the week or at least weekly that bin is getting empty. So it would never, it would never reach a point. And the, uh, oh, and the other point is that I have a lock, a combination lock on the bin and only people who subscribe to the service know the combination to get, to, to, to put their materials in that bin. Okay. Um, and then um, I know this is a really tough question because wild animals are wild, but we've already seen an influx of uh, birds, um, crows and magpies, especially um, up on the hill. Um, and my, my other concern would be bears, and you did mention bear proof, but still um, in composting and the, and the odor from that, um, I, I have a concern there as far as the wild animals are concerned, um, not only the larger ones, but raccoons, blah, 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 blah. This can go on and on and on. Um, do you have any provisions to help deter those animals from uh, entering, the, in, entering the premises? You know, turning the piles will help with that. Um, I, I, I think that I probably should have combined those piles sooner than I did. Um, it is a process of learning, but I think that that did help control the bird situation. Um, and then, you know, we've considered maybe putting a tarp over it. That's not something that I've seen done at any other facility. Um, I'm, I'm aware, I'm, you know, aware of lots of these conditionally exempt small quantity facilities across the state of Colorado. I don't know anyone that tarps their, tarps their um, pile. I mean, part, partly because you want it aerated and then you're gonna deal with odors if you start covering it. Um, so th the other thing is dressing the pile, putting wood chips on the top of it. Um, so yes, there are lots of things that, you know, that you can do to try to mitigate the birds and any wildlife from getting into the pile. And those are things that I will, you know, be doing as I, as I go. Um, I haven't been out there very long and, and, you know, doing, we'll do what I can and, and would certainly want to hear from you if you're seeing issues. Um, and hopefully you would have my email address and phone number and um, could be in touch with me if you, you, if you have issues and concerns about vectors. <laughs> And then that lack of just not knowing stormwater, um, is that put into a pond that surface aerates and evaporates, or is that something that goes into a septic? Um, you know, in this case, it's 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 going to um, sheet flow off the site, and if it if it sheet flows off the site, I'm required to test it, and if it fails um, to meet the requirements in the stormwater permit, then I would have to implement BMPs. To control that, and so I mean, I would I would probably be be putting um, some hay bales out there where it does um, where the in the direction that the stormwater tends to flow um, to try to prevent any you know any contamination. Um, with those hay bales, um, do you expect those to be visible by by uh, traffic on forty? No. Well, I thank you all for your time and I appreciate the answers to the questions. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Any other comments from the public? Over Zoom, um, Over, yeah. there is somebody with their hand raised silence. Yeah, hey there. Um, thank you for having this. And I just wanted to reiterate kind of support from the neighbors already um about water issues mainly we own the parcel i guess it's connected on 
yeah, that's our residence down there. I guess connected on the eastern side. And we've got obviously the large portion of surface water um, right there. I don't know exactly what it is. It's about an acre, I would say. Um, just geographically, it's not, you know, too linked. It's hard to tell there. But we would, uh, I would like to, you know, just voice support for anything that can be done with modern monitoring water, um, just any sort of thing that can help, I think, yeah, provide a baseline and or testing. Our well is a hand dug well underneath our house. It varies from sometimes in the spring, it's six feet down is the surface of the water. And then it goes all the way down to like 23 feet. Um, so I guess I would just like to reiterate the importance of the water table to us in this area. Um, I think that's very important because we are in this area where it is intermittently the alluvial water source of the river as well. So I think just wanting to definitely um, push or, you know, reinforce stormwater management practices. And uh, yeah, I think it would be good to you know, get start the testing of the surrounding neighborhood um, water sources. I think that would be a good baseline. Um, and lastly, yeah, just increased um, nuisance with uh, pests and crows and everything. You know, we just need to definitely do our best to minimize those effects to, you know, this is, you know, it's, yeah, it's uh, kind of open space, but it is a little neighborhood there. So we just want to definitely um, reiterate that people live there and we want, you know, everybody to be successful and have uh, the best outcome that we can. So uh, that's all I have. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Are there any other hands up that you can see? Uh, that's oh. it. Okay. Uh, just, I do have some comments. I just want to respond to some of their uh, comments. Do you mind if I close public comment though? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, thanks. I, at this point, I'd like to uh, close the public comment portion of the hearing. Go, Alan, now. Uh, so CPW was contacted as part of the referral process and they didn't have any comments on this, which I was surprised, but they, they didn't. Um, so if you do have an issue with your well and you do find some contamination, please let us know. We've got conditions that we can call this back up if it is determined that uh, this operation is the source of that. Um, so th there, is, there is a process, there is recourse in case there are concerns. So if you do have concerns, please let us know. Just let Dallin know that we'll address those. Um, and then it, it is going on. She is using the site right now to compost. Um, if so, our typical code enforcement process would goes like this: we get a complaint that somebody's doing something that they shouldn't be doing. We contact them, verify if the complaint is valid. If it is, we then ask them for a plan for compliance. And so that is what would happen in this situation. We ask for a plan for compliance. The plan for compliance would be. I will take a special use permit. So we're going through that process, and there's nothing additional that staff would do in this circumstance besides what we're doing right now. 
Um, I don't know how to, to structure this, but I guess I'm disappointed that we didn't hear a comment back from um, the water people. And, and it would occur to me that perhaps having that report in our hot little hands, or at least prior to the BCC is of value and needs to be somehow incorporated into this process. Uh, the question that I have, I don't think we've ever, I don't recall doing this before. Can you uh, quantify a, a recommendation? Follow what I'm asking? Uh, not quantify, make it a stipulation that you receive. Well, however you want to use, whatever word you want to use, but yeah. Uh, I mean, you mean make it contingent? Perhaps. Well, so I wouldn't want to make anything contingent on this because it could come back and say there's no issues. I think, sorry. Thank you. I think how I would prefer to see it happen is a decision, a recommendation made tonight. Mm -hmm. And then if we don't have an answer from the division by the time the Board of County Judiciary hearing comes around, we would table that until we do have that division. I'm asking, that's why I was going to, I think it's important. And I don't think that we as commissioners would be comfortable without it. So we can speak for all of you, but I think we some have not. Yes. Sir. Yeah, the main thing I and I think Steve's essentially asking the same question. If but if there's pollution or something coming from compost, what would it be? You know, because it wouldn't take very long to get into the nearby water source. I mentioned that a little while ago. The water, and you can hear from the well depths that they're not deep. So that's what I'm kind of wondering. What would be produced? Well, it would be metal source. Yeah, it's not heavy metals. Well, I think it is actually. That's what they test for. And the applicant even stated that. Um, but the question is, what would it be? What would it? What does it produce? Or better yet, what does a composting operation yeah. that beats to have? Food waste generate. Yeah. If the I believe it's like the, the heavy metals that are bound up chemically in the food products that we eat. Oh, so we're eating them anyways. Yeah. Yeah. And you <laughs> through the process, you <laughs> concentrate. You're, you're, you're talking about concentrating it in one area. And like so, I mean the the question I had about the amount of storage goes directly to this is a relatively very, very small scale operation. Oh yeah. I believe surface water contamination is maybe more of an issue than actually seeping long term into the ground, which is really shallow. But, but the surface is covered with the stormwater permit. It, and it's that that 500, that thousand year storm that becomes the issue versus the everyday storm. Yeah. That's not really right. what's causing the big contamination issues and stuff. We have, as a board in the past, um, put on additional monitoring regulations in relation to oil and gas wells. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We actually, in doing so, the state adopted some of the regulations that we were pushing here in Route County. Um, on their new rules that they implemented. And so we have seen impacts that we've put up in place actually being adopted at a state level. For me, this doesn't, the scale of this operation doesn't rise to that 
the requirement for additional monitoring. Um, I don't know what the trigger would be for me as far as size where I think water monitoring would become more of a critical aspect to this. And, may, and oftentimes we go to the state and they say class one, class two, and, and that triggers additional exactly. things. Yep. So we sort of rely on them at different times. Right. I, in general, I feel the scale of this operation is relatively small. I mean, again, like if I was looking to purchase this for sale in a retail operation, I'd want to know that I could get 10 cubic yards five times a year. And I just don't think that they're at that, at that level, even anywhere near this. Maybe that's what's good too. Any other questions? I got a question of staff. Look at condition 15. Valid for the life of the what? And then, um, Yeah, um, are you comfortable with the reporting requirements, Yana? Yeah, or staff, I should say. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, they uh, mirror the reporting requirements in the landfill. Yep. Uh, obviously, they don't have all of this because of the time property. Yeah, the volume issue went away. Anyone else? Should we do the items for discussion? Kind of thought we did, but okay. Well, we haven't really talked about if we wanted to add an extra condition for odor. I think we've kind of been talking about the regulations on the second one, but I don't know. I didn't hear either of uh, the two people who were kind of talking to really forcefully kind of go with the extra emphasis on the odors. I know that you guys did present that uh, when you were writing um, to staff and that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to see what everybody's take was if, you know, conditions already are kind of in there, at, you know, as general complaints or if we need to specify even more specific. Uh, yeah, my attitude was it's in there already. Mine too. Kind of. I think. I think with our new code compliance of how they're kind of uh, dealing with it and that it's not going to be just complaint driven, that that kind of drives me to say that it can be more general than being specific. I think if it was kind of the older system, that it would be nice, but I, I think they are taking that those proper steps to really factor those in that someone could easily come and smell that and know or make those observations themselves. I have to agree with Greg. The college, the compost units up there, stunk to high health. They're down in the parking lot. And unless they took care of them, she was talking about taking care of the sounds. But the um, thing, I think we've got to Yeah. They really used that. 
because that's because they're not composting. The actual act of composting is they what reduces the units. Yeah, it's what they reduces the orders. Above it, put stuff inside it. It's all legal. Albertina was in charge of it. Yeah, I think the in general the odors associated with this only come into factor when it's not composting, and that goes directly against the applicant is trying to get to. Yep. Um, and again, the scale and the volume is, is really the issue. This yeah. is just a super small scale. Andy, I just want to let you know. So I told you that the groundwater monitoring plan is not required by the state until a class two facility reaches a class two facility is 50,000 cubic yards. <laughs> For a long just for just for comparison yeah and you know that was kind of my point in asking the applicant about the, the storage that they have i just don't see them having the actual space to get to the production level if this was ever scalable they'd probably be looking for a new location right yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely the sometimes in with associated um oil and gas, don't we have a separate odor? Isn't it actually listed as a specific condition or general condition? Well, I don't know that. I don't know the names. I just, I thought I remember the language. I mean, we haven't seen an oil and gas application in quite some time. But if everybody's comfortable with the way everything's worded right now, I don't really see. Well, I'm Alan. Did are you adding twenty one? Are we adding that? Good uh, so that was the that was what was requested by one of the, the neighbors, and uh, it's not word for word, but I changed it to something that staff would support. So do you need to talk about that? Larger? To the black. No, uh, to me, the vectors are going to be so hard to know what the actual source of something is. Like, say someone does new crops or does something else, or you know, to to make that to be the source and say that it's the cause and effect is going to be so hard to enforce. Is the word vector referring to birds and mice? Yes. Okay. You know, I've had quite a bit of small farm and greenhouse experience, and I've been around tons of different composting and have used different compost and different uh, applications in my career, in, or I should say my hobby. Uh, and when, when folks are turning their, their um, waste, it does very much not have a smell to it. And one of the other things that's going on really well with this is that there's no animal uh, waste being used here, which is really the dominant problem that I've run into in my, in my history. Animal waste can really create other things that food waste doesn't even touch. Um, this is a very small um, applica or application of composting, I agree. Um, I think it's going to be very dynamic for her to pull out. Um, food waste out of a compost bin in August, and I really appreciate her her work in that way. Um, when it comes to the water issues, there's, in my opinion, two things being overlooked. 
first off is the septic system that's on that site, which is being, has been used and will continue to be used for things that are not food waste that will create other problems. As well, there is groundwater movement and we don't know which way the groundwater is moving. And the neighbors probably have a guess, but nobody really knows. And so anything that gets contaminated in any well in that area could come from the um, big ass pile of poo that the farmer has a quarter mile away, or it could come from the stagnant pond across the street. There's a number of different places that this um, contamination could come from. And so to say that 15 yards of compost is gonna be a bigger problem with the septic system on that site, I really am struggling with that concept. I guess, what, is the septic a fault or is it actually a leach field septic? I, I, uh, I gotta got guess it's gotta be a septic. It's gotta be a fault. It's gotta be a fault. It is a septic system. There is a leach field. Yes, there is a typical septic system. There's a tank and then leach field. And where's that located? You know, that's a great question. <laughs> Just because when you look I'm at assuming, it. I'm assuming it's going to go, it's going to parallel 40 and come back off on the property over there. Like yeah. typically, septic systems on Google Earth are well, really we don't easy know. to yeah. spot. They're <laughs> green. <laughs> um, so we're back to this 20. I have a tendency to concur with um, Greg's position, which is. That language, what it's it's nice, but wow, I think we're probably asking for a lot of trouble. Are you talking about twenty-one? Yes, yeah. I mean, I think we have a system in place that receives complaints, um, and my expectations are the petitioner, in the event of a complaint, would in fact use best management practices or do whatever to alleviate and get rid of the complaint, but. Particularly the birds thing, I, I don't know. Things tough. And therefore, I propose eliminating. I'm on Comments. Are you saying you see it? You see this being onerous on the applicant? I see it being a basis for a lot of potential. A lot of discussions and a lot of back and forth that maybe aren't wanted. I mean, to Greg's point, I sorry. Are oh, you thinking it's like it's, it's too broad, so that it opens up yeah, the box so. and everybody can race in? With oh sure, yeah. Well, well those birds are sitting there; they're king for now. Right. Well, maybe they didn't. But I, don't, I don't know. I mean, if I mix it, that could be me. Yeah, you know. Um, but you know, if you take out the first sentence, it might be more palatable. Best management practices. That, that sets a standard. Yeah. But I think that's already been featured. Well, BFPs are already required, aren't they? The, the, the bales, stormwater inlets, culverts, and all that stuff is best management practices. There is not a condition that specifically addresses the use of BMPs. Okay. Which that might be appropriate. Now, again, isn't that something like, again, I, I just gone back to the oil and gas. Don't we have conditions that, a condition that generally talks about BMPs? Again, we're talking about a different use 
way more intense, like it usually requires significant engineering. Like this site doesn't really require any engineering. We're not moving dirt. We're not exposing new areas of dirt. Like if we were doing some grading, then that would maybe be kicked in. I don't know. I, I guess I could support 21 going away. And the, how about the compromise? Eliminate the first sentence. Compromise eliminate the first sentence. Yeah. Yeah. At least you've got yeah. some yeah. still have nuisance in there. Yeah, it's in there. Oh, there it is. <laughs> but it's but it's a best management to prevent nuisance. Right. Nuisance could be stormwater. Absolutely. I I like it without the first sentence. I think we have consensus, Alan. Okay, do we need to have a round table on this? <laughs> huh? I'm just doing it. Yeah, I yeah, think so. That's why I'm asking the question now. <laughs> um, so we've adjusted, we've added 21 in terms of specific conditions, correct? Do we have anything else? We now, is the, the testing that the applicant has to perform for the state that is available to the neighbors to view. Uh, Lynn, do you know the answer to that? Um, I mean, it's not required by regulation. In fact, um, I don't even think I have to send it to the state. I would have to produce it if the state came out and asked for it. Um, but no, it's not. It's not generally made public. In fact, I mean, if you if you did pass it, um, it's not a violation. It just means that your compost isn't finished yet, and you need to continue composting it. It means that you can't distribute it commercially. And, 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 and it and it definitely will happen. I mean, I in 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 like in the class that I was at certainly people got tests back that, you know, they didn't pass the testing. And so they had to continue composting the material further. So. Uh, gentlemen, are we that far? So in the matter of Algo Compost, Company PL2 2021 Might there be a motion? I would move approval, recommending approval of special permit for compost operation <clears throat> pursuant to uh, PL 2021 with conditions as delineated. And finding facts. Brian seconded it. Brian with the second. Yeah. Any discussion on the motion? Hearing none, all those in favor signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed, please say no. Chair votes yes. The motion is carried. The recommendation is made to the BCC. Thank you. Thank you. Christy, I think you are probably next. Yeah. That would be good. 
So you, you're kind of prepared, but yeah. so um, now, now it still hear, comes up with Tommy. Yeah, those of you that didn't hear Michael comes to us, we stole him from the city. Oh, oh that. that's a coup. Um, sure. So uh, we're happy to have him. He's pretty much fully trained, and it's fabulous. That is not true. I read through the whole code. It's taking a long time. <laughs> and none of you tell us you can have it memorized. Right. <laughs> I will start to learn really interesting facts and then remember them till my death. But <laughs> he's just adding to the quirkiness in our office. Um, so, as far as administrators report, our next meeting is on the third. We have um, one application scheduled for a conditional use permit for a cell tower. And then the other will be a master plan discussion to go over. The um, assumptions that we are pulling away from our outreach. So um, it should be a good discussion, and then um, we will then take that along with your input uh, to the county commissioners, and we'll start um, building the draft plan based on that information. Uh, some other things that are happening um, we had um, a really productive technical advisory committee meeting today um, and so we got some really great input on some information we're trying trying to dive in deeper so we'll be able to present that to you also some of those recommendations from the task um, we're also going to take that information and um, put out to the community some polling questions based on that so we're kind of just narrowing in the scope of some of those questions and the asks um, and try not to get the general public weeded in some of those discussions, but uh, we'll have tact do that. Um, and so that's something else that you can expect to hear about. Um, Are you guys happy with the process so far? Um, what was that? I'm sorry. Are you feeling good about the way the process is going? Yeah. Like, I think so. Yeah. I mean, you, you have a little bit more direct yeah. line, but. Right. Yeah. Cool. Um, so tomorrow's all of staff, uh, we're going to be meeting with the consultant team. We have not seen the report yet. So we're gonna get our first crack at it, and we'll probably meet the next two Fridays before you see it on the third. Um, so we'll um, put some bookends on it, if you will, uh, put it more into a, a presentation format um, for the, the public to see. And then um, I guess the other update is that I had um, a really productive call on Tuesday with. Senator Bennett's office regarding the Union Pacific um, discussion, the ongoing discussions there. And their office is uh, absolutely behind uh, this movement and wants to see how they can support us um, for Northwest Colorado and bringing passenger rail and freight rail um, to Northwest Colorado. Uh, one of their asks will be um, they want to make sure that Moffitt County is on board. And I have had a discussion with uh, their economic director over in Moffitt County just to see where they're at and just bring them into the loop in the process. And um, a lot of our goals and visions align with theirs. Um, with the transition of coal, one of the things that Moffitt County is trying to prioritize is aeronautics. And uh, with that, 
there is a need and a desire to have breaks to continue um, on that line. So you could conceivably do both on those rails um, to do passenger, not light rail, passenger rail. There's a difference and, and break on those same lines. So um, at this point in time, Monmouth County, the city of Sumo Springs, and the county are all working together on the Regional Transportation Authority Assessment Feasibility Study right now. Um, so all three entities are involved with that, but I think for you know Bennett's office, what they really shared with me is they want to absolutely make sure that Monmouth County is on board so they can, you know, which makes sense obviously. So we have buy-in from all three. So um, that probably will be the next step. And again, um, I am a realist, <laughs> but it's also you know worth a shot. And at least if we get the conversation started you know, started, you know, through this process, I think it's a win, so. Has uh, the board's been talking about like throwing extra money to the rails or anything like that? Or no, no, we're, we're, we're not. Yeah, we're not. Not we're trying not. to incentivize it at all. Not at this point in time. I, I, I'm sure through the RTA and those discussions. You <laughs> might after all this though, yeah. really. I, I can tell you our initial conversation with Union Pacific you know, we brought up that, you know, obviously a lot of less smarter people than I am, um, you know, engineers out there um, who have ran these numbers of what it would take um, for a light or passenger rail seems to be not feasible. And they basically assured us, like, leave that up to us. That's not a, you know, you guys don't need to figure out that level of detail. So if they want it bad enough, they'll figure it out. Well, and did you not say that they also kind of wrinkled their nose at the concept of pulling the rails up and turning it into a Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, they, they were really clear that yeah. that is not a priority. They look at the rails as an asset. That yeah. only truly works in like the Warren Fork Valley, um, right. where they were successful in a rails to trails project. And that was because those rails were absolutely dead. They, they, there was no future for them. They, they didn't go really service anything. Yeah. Um, they see that this area, um, you know, the, the success of the winter park train. And so the ski area is, has their eye, uh, they have their eye on the ski area. So they are in discussions with the ski area as well. So we're just kind of connecting everybody into the conversation and now understanding Moffitt County's needs, um, especially with the aer uh, aeronautics and uh, their manufacturing um, priorities. Um, it, it could be something that they have not time for. So the fact that you got beyond, they didn't even just tell you no off the bat. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. They answered the phone. I dealt with them on a property that I used to work on next, and they were, I mean, just brutal, absolutely yeah. brutal. And we were just adjacent landowners that shared these. It all has on who's involved. I started with Dylan Roberts and it kind of went up the chain from there. So that's how that happened. So um, we'll see. Um, you know, and then Bennett's office also is moving in foot movers uh, office. So there are a lot of people that are aware of this project and just you know hopefully we can get support. But he put together that whole rail system down in Denver. Yeah. That was a major accomplishment. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I just was, I, 
I guess I forgot he was even in office anymore. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I know that. I haven't heard about him. I haven't heard about him in years. And we, you're gonna, we're gonna see the new commissioner here in, um, after April, correct? No. In November election. So it's yeah. November. It's not just in this upcoming one. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be until next year, um, unless. Uh, uh, that's the science that we're that. But no. yeah. So as of right now, there's a couple of people that have their hats in, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah. That would be the administration board. Thank you. 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 Thank you